Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Oh my God. Welcome back to Comic Book Nation Season 5, the only show that does it all for geek culture and the official podcast of comicbook.com. I'm down in the CB studios on my Jedi vibes because this week we are getting back into Star Wars with the return of The Mandalorian. And to help me travel to a galaxy far, far away are my regular Comic Book Nation co hosts. We got Mr. Matthew Aguilar on the scene. What up? We got Janelle Wheeler. Hello. <laughs> and joining us again, Mr. Connor Casey from the CB Wrestling Crew. Hello there. So that that's not an Obi-Wan. You gotta work on that one, bro. Is that Obi-Wan? Obi-Wan? Is that what that was? Yeah, that was that's Kenobi. More friendly. I just like you, you did like a wrestling heel. You gotta get friendly with it. You gotta be like, oh, hello there. Hello there. Hello there. Oh yeah. Um, so yeah, as you can see, we are in total Star Wars mode. Even Richard's back in the booth in Star Wars mode today, as he punches the buttons on this show. Uh, we're going to talk about The Mandalorian season three, which you know, thanks to me and my big Twitter mouth, is already off to somewhat of a controversial start. I got people calling me this morning, being like, "Oh no, uh, what? I missed all this." Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, people are calling me like, you know, I, you know, I know you're, you know you're well established your job, but it's not usually necessarily that I see you like enter my entertainment sphere, but uh, buddy, this tweet is, <laughs> this tweet's out here and uh, it showed up on my timeline today. How you doing? Oh and God, like, I don't oh, know boy. the tweet. Okay. I, no, oh I gotta, man. You gotta go I mean, look. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, anyway, this will good. We'll just get right into it. Let's just get right into the mess because uh, so I got triggered. I got triggered on Twitter because somebody was tweeting something about Andor. People have started oh, I know now. almost immediately started slamming Andor at the same time and I was not having it. So, you know, uh, you ever see that movie, Along Came a Spider, you know, oh, yeah, that, uh, that uh, yeah, the, the uh, whatchamacallit, when Morgan That's Freeman, actually, what's uh, his name? Uh, Morgan Freeman, yeah. I forget the, uh, the detective's name. What's his name? Cross. Anyway, Alex Cross. Yeah, so uh, I'm like one of those killers in those movies. So when people like troll me on Twitter, I'm like, welcome to my web. And then, you know, it's not every day you get to verbally abuse some people for free, but uh, Twitter trolls are a free game, you know, and it's a lot of fun. So now we're going to take it. I'm going to take trolling to the whole next level and just use this whole platform now. And we're going to get into some Mandalorian stuff. I'll wait for you, Twitter people, to get your platform up. Get your platform up and then you can respond on that. All right. Now, so now that we're petty on this Friday, we should also mention that we all <laughs> might be interrupted in this show by the uh, call of uh, tornado sirens. So, oh, you yeah. know, Ooh, yes. that's high stakes, baby. I love it. I love a good high stakes show. So. 
Let's get it popping off. So Mandalorian season three, Mando's back. Um, and what, I mean, this is already a cluster. I'm now, I'm just gonna tell you right off the bat, I'm with Janelle Wheeler. Me and Janelle Wheeler are going out for drinks soon. And we're gonna do nothing but have like girls just dish <laughs> about how much we are tired of these Star Wars fandoms and, <laughs> and lunatics lurking in here. But um, all right, we're here, we're here. So you already have this, I mean, Mandalorian season three coming back. It's kind of a weird cluster right now. Uh, yeah, there's all this in hate about screaming about Andor. There's also this weird undercurrent of people who are mad at Mandalorian season three, because I guess they haven't checked back in with Star Wars since the Mandalorian season two finale. Yeah, and so awesome. they heard, oh my God, that you have to watch this other show in order to keep up with this show. That is a travesty, except for Marvel, DC, and basically everything else we do today. I was going to say, yeah. that's so dumb. Where have you been the last five years? <laughs> five years. Which, you know, Twitter, the place where everybody thinks their opinion is right and gold. And, mm. you know. Yep. Nobody can smack you in the mouth about it. So I mean, you look, know. you cannot like it on, on its own, but I'm just for that reason, it just seems weird. Like that yeah, one just seems kind of. It's not like we covered it extensively when right. it popped up. <laughs> not like everybody was talking about it in Book of Boba Fett, screaming, "Why the hell is this now a Mando 2.5?" Like, yeah, not like everything is... on Disney Plus you ever log in tries to sell you on Book of Boba Fett. Get those Book of Boba Fett numbers up by showing you a big Mando picture with them standing together. Like, even the reality shows are coming together, and you have to like pay attention to those, yep. right? True. <laughs> yep, the circle like, uh, and yeah, like all man. that stuff. Yeah. yeah, they're all united now, baby. Yeah. I just finished Perfect Match. Me I went back too. and watched the mole. I went back and go. watched the mole and loved it all. So <laughs> I'm all, I'm going in. So, yeah, so it's weird, but um, uh, um, Mandalorian's back. So let's just talk about the actual show, not the fans, not the comparisons, not all that. Um, for me, a lot of people got to see two episodes. I was on uh, my, my Dirty or Secret podcast last night, and we were talking with my friend Rob Keys from Screen Rant, and he has seen the first two. And I trust him because me and him have very similar Star Wars opinions. We've been working together for like, you know, 15, or not together, but for 15 years, I can trust this man. And he saw the first two episodes. A lot of people who got the screeners did. And I've been told that episode two, for whatever this is worth at the start of our discussion, is a very big change from episode one. It's a very different kind of episode, I've been told, and it has some new and exciting things that we're going to get into. So I'm kind of hyped for that already. And for the record, guys, like on Twitter and beyond, let's just establish this here. When it comes to just like comicbook.com, I am probably one of our bigger Star Wars fans. Uh, guys, I do everything. And these guys on the podcast can tell you. I watch and love Mando. I watch and love Book and Boba Fett, Obi-Wan. I'm hyped for Ahsoka. I read all, all the, the comics. Stuff, all, yep. the comics, all the books. I'm everywhere. Okay. So that's that's my that's that, those are my I don't have a chain on but those are my Star Wars if I had a Star Wars chain please do please do get a chain <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> please make that happen I don't even know like which one I get so I watch this all and I enjoy Star Wars at, and unlike so much of the fandom today I actually enjoy the whole of Star Wars so now I'm just putting that out there because I'm going to criticize Mandalorian next but I just want you to know that it is coming from a place of a fan of this series, of the entire franchise. So I'm not hating this. I'm just saying. The Mandalorian season three premiere to me was, I get why people like it very much. It, it, it's almost like perfectly produced kind of fan please material. Um, it, it's almost like a greatest hits of Mando so far, this episode. It's everything, all the staples of the show from 
you know, and, and I think we're just at that point, And I said this last night where a show gets popular enough that it hits that uh, usually about season three, where it has to trouble kind of reconciling with trying to tell its story like it was in the beginning and trying to recognize and, and not be influenced by its own popularity. And I feel like this episode was kind of Mando being influenced by its own popularity because it was just stuff that really, when you really begin to criticize and break it down and talk about it, doesn't necessarily make a whole lot of sense other than this is cool for us to see, for Mando fans to see again. That goes to like the first opening battle, right? Which is intentionally kind of like weirdly misleading. And yes, we're doing full spoilers, which is kind of potentially misleading about this youngling getting the helmet. And for a minute, you're like, oh, this is when Din got his helmet and that's cool. And you go through this long sequence, another big monster battle, not because it's important, but because we've had big monster battles in every Mando pre or monster sightings in every big Mando premiere before this. And so we got to have another one. And so we did it. And then you find out, oh, that's not even Din. It's some kid we probably don't even need to care about. And Mando sweeps in and just blasts people with this thing because an entire army of highly trained, the most dogmatic Mandalorian warriors out there, the tribe, cannot unite to kill this big alligator. In fact, they make the questionable, stupid tactical moves of doing things like jumping on its back and putting grenades on its scaled armor, which you're the greatest warriors in the world. And if you look at the scene again, there's a lot of weird extras who are just there hanging out because they're happy to have Mando helmets on. They're not like real actors or stunt performers. There's just people kind of hanging around. If you watch this twice, I guarantee it's a different experience, okay? And the rest of the episode is kind of like that for me. It's like Mando is not really, we're not advancing much. Like we're just kind of circling the same things. He wants to find favor with the armor. He wants to find favor with Bo-Katan. We go to see Grief Karga and we have some laughs and some Western style shootouts. This is all kind of rehash and I don't hate it, but it just felt to me like kind of underwhelming. I wasn't as hyped with this episode as I wanted to be with the Mandalorian season premiere. But that's just me. I get, like I said, why this plays so well to people because it is just all the hits they wanted from this. And it, it's just kind of, yeah, it's, it's kind of weird and it's kind of a weird beginning, but it's also kind of a weird thing they have to pick up because I get it. Like Favreau and them were in this weird position where they're like, okay, we got to make an episode that makes people really kind of get back into this and we got to do it to the people who watch Boba Fett and the people who don't, who just watch Bando and we got to please everybody. And there's no real way to do that. And I get that. So I was a little underwhelmed by the first episode, but based on everything I'm hearing about the second, I'm still hyped. I'm just like, uh, I'm still on board. I don't think you need to kind of slam things like Andor, but we'll get to that. Let's get to you guys' <laughs> opinions before I go too far down a rabbit hole. Um, I'm always kind of curious. Connor, we rarely go to you first. And I feel like we always go to you last. Let's let's switch it up today. What, 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 I know you have st strong Star Wars opinions in addition to wrestling. You're well rounded, man. Tell us I, what you think. I certainly do. So I remember watching the episode, and my initial reaction when the credits hit was, "Wait, that that's it? That that's all we're getting?" And then when I started hearing that, oh well, when screeners came, went out, few of them that there were, uh, it was the first two episodes, and I went, "Okay, that makes a little more sense." And then I thought about it, and then I went and I looked at the release dates, and I realized that it had actually been three years since season two. And the way season one and two came out is they were one year back to back. So I can understand why they maybe looked at this season and thought, you know what, 
between the time gap and everything that happened with Boba Fett, maybe we need a catch-up episode. It reminded me of certain anime do this. My Hero Academia always comes to mind. The first episode in every season they do is just a catch-up episode. It's usually filler, has nothing to do with what happened in the comic. It's it's just there to catch folks up in case they didn't watch last season or they forgot because people forget. But then I gave it another thought. It's possible that this was meant to be structured similar to Andor. Now, I'm not saying the two shows are on the same level of quality. I think Andor is a considerably better show. But if you watch Andor week by week, some episodes didn't particularly stick out. They were one episode in a three or four episode arc. And one episode by itself, maybe not a lot happened. The first episode of Andor, it's kind of like, oh, okay, that's it. He's, he's just walking through the graveyard of old ships and then he's done. And then you're like, oh, okay. Also facts. But when you watch it, when you binge either by arcs or through a whole season, it plays a lot better. So I'm I'm waiting to hold off on criticism of this show until I get a sense of, oh, are we are we starting out with an arc and then moving to episodic? Is the whole thing one big arc? Is it a couple of arcs diced up into the middle of the season? Because I can just tell that it's not going to be like, do you remember the Ice Spider episode? Do you remember the Ahsoka episode? Do you remember the episode where he got the speed the new speedster? I, I, if they're going off in this new direction, I'm cool with that. I got to wait and see more of this first before I go. Yeah, Mando's just not hitting the way it used to. Fair yeah. enough. And I do think there's something to that. I don't think this is a start that can't be brought around to actually look much better down the line in a season. I have certain ideas and theories about this episode and what it's setting up thematically, specifically with what Mando's trying to do between Bo-Katan and the armor and bringing all these people back together, which could play out very well by the end. But we'll get to that. Matt, what did you think? Because you're, um, I mean, you're a bona fide Grogu lover. So, like, what did you think? Yeah, well, I think Connor made some really good points because I, but I also agree with you. Uh, the opening, even when I first watched it, the opening fight that opening sequence was like just like super clunky to me i don't know why like it was just like from even before they get to the fight like the and at one point yes i did think it was a flashback like at one point i do go oh, okay well this is that and then like pretty quickly it's like oh okay no i don't know who these people are. <laughs> i don't know i don't know who that is that's not you know that's not him but then like as like she's giving him the helmet and like the the you know the oath and all that like i don't know there was just like a weird clunkiness to that and then we get to the fight and you're right like there's some questionable <laughs> some questionable strategic decisions get made um but at the end of the day like after that sequence so like after they land and you're like oh it's mando and grogu and they start to do that they start to set that path i loved it like from from that point on uh i i i adored it and it's a lot for the reasons you bring up is that i think part of this is it's been a it's been a minute since everyone's seen all of these particular characters together and this little corner of the world, right? So I think it was very much like, let's get everyone up to speed, which frankly I needed because I, you know, like there's some things they set up and I was like, oh, that's right. Like there was a couple, man, it's been a minute. I watched a lot of TV since then. Like, I don't, you know, I'm not as in the trenches with the Star Wars world as you are. So like, I, I needed that. I needed to a reset of sorts. And then, once we move forward, like all the man, the Grogu stuff in the ship, 
and like when they're in like like all that stuff and he like he's he's a little scared or like all the things where he's like using the force to move food and like the spinning of the chair that had me rolling like throughout that whole scene so like there's just so much of what i love about this show is in this episode and i didn't mind the time frankly when stuff isn't an hour i'm pretty much okay with it <laughs> like not everything has to be that for me so i'm kind of on the opposite end of that um i i enjoyed this you know we'll get into the andor comparisons later but like as connor said i think stuff does play well over time we, we talk about this in comics all the time too right stuff reads better in trade like a single issue is not is not the way to necessarily read every single series so i'll, I'll wait to see but as for me I came out of this smiling like I loved it. And I do think it's good, too, if the next episode really does shake things up and goes a different way. This is great because this gave people like me the show we fell in love with. And so then if they want to go in a new direction, cool. I'm, I'm down for that, too. But I, I enjoyed the hell out of this. I was I, I loved it. I always hated that. I hate the hell out of when Matt's all level-headed. I like it when he gets all spicy. <laughs> and he didn't even mention like Carl Weathers just be, just walking around. Oh no! His big I mean, there's room. no problem. I mean, with his little droids, there. and yeah. little droids yeah. like holding things. So Carl good. Carl Weathers getting drip is never. <laughs> so I don't even good, think that was in the script. I think he was no, just like, look, just I've got to I gotta get this. I gotta get some droid drip. I can't be out here. It's season three. Like, <laughs> so yeah, good. no. And then when, he's getting, when they're getting the droid repaired, oh, there's so much good. I love yeah. That. Oh, no, that was my, okay, that was my favorite part. When they went Terminator in this, I was like, okay, now I'm, like, this is different. Like, I'm in for the Terminator of it all. Like, that was cool with IG. When, yeah. when he's talking to Babu Frick and whether yes. he just keeps repeating what he says, he's like, I understand. Yeah. <laughs> so good. I love so good. Yeah, there's some funny. Right. Jay, what'd you think? Let's, Jay's <laughs> great. I mean, Janelle's always a great impartial person because- <laughs> You know, she she loves Star Wars until it bothers her, and then she's like, "Yeah, I don't love it this much." <laughs> yeah. Until the fans always get a good, salty. It's, yeah, it's always a great <laughs> metric for like we need that control in the experiment. So, um, what do you think, Jay? I I have mixed feelings. Um, I just feel like, and I know we're gonna go into it. I just feel like Andor elevated this universe for me so much. Um, in like more of like a, a drama way and uh, like it felt like higher stakes. Like this does feel like a kid's show to me now. I There was a joke in there where like the bust of a dude like fell on an enemy <laughs> and he yeah. goes, that's really using your head. And I was just, I looked at- Oh, my, Mando said that and that took me out. I, I looked at that. my husband and I was like, I, I literally don't want to watch this because of that, like that alone. And then the beginning, I felt bad for the creature because like get out of their water, like just run, just literally go, just, just run away. Go back in the cave. Yeah. Like what? <laughs> it's so stupid. Get and then out of their water. And Mandalorians the, I'm just, are like, they made them like those drunk dudes in the bar who oh swear God, they're going to so fight cool. and then they get dropped in one punch and you're just like. All they had to well, do is run away, and now, then that you creature. Just, you were sleeping lived. now, but you were dreaming. Before. Like, how <laughs> yeah. are you? Like, and then okay, so I'm just listing the kind of things that rubbed me wrong, and the last thing is just this this obsession with like this neediness. This like uh, it makes me. It reminds me of like when I was like way too into the Catholic Church. Like mm -hmm. I have to go wash in the baths. I have to go, you don't understand. I have to go wash in the baths. I have to get in these baths. I have to, and I'm like, 
there's like wars going on. People are dying everywhere. Like there's like so much bigger stuff going on. And I just, I don't feel that like pull of like, oh man, we got to fight for him to get to this place so that he can wash in the baths and get, you know, redesignated as a Mandalorian. Like I, I feel bad, but I just don't feel it's not relatable to me. I'm it, it feels like a religious cult type thing that is just not my jam. Like, and it like, just well, you know, I was like, I, oh, you all are on your purple rain, huh? You're gonna bathe in the waters of Lake <laughs> Minnetonka. I hear you. I think that's the point, though, is that we want him to snap out of the cult mindset. So and, okay, you. here's yes. okay. Let's yes. let's train. Okay, let's be positive. But I like the comments things. are showing us. Oh no, I, I agree. You know, you know what I mean. I was know, very positive. Yeah, I know you are. There are, there are positive when there's a baby Yoda on screen. We expect you to be. Positive. I've only had time to say the negative stuff just in case the commenters. I only had time to say negative stuff, but there are positive things, and we'll probably no. Let's talk about the positive. I think there are positives. I, like Matt said, I think Matt makes a very important point, which is things read better in trade. That is one of our most common comments on this show. Things read better in trade. So I think that I'm keeping an open mind because I mean, I have, the Mandalorian has done it for me for two seasons. I even like the payoff and the kind of coming together of the Book of Boba Fett. Not all of the Book of Boba Fett, but the Mandalorian and him and them bonding and all that. Like I loved all that. So I'm not counting any of this out. I think... I think what Connor said is the thing that I'm hoping for as the surprise deeper writing of this season, because I think Janelle's right. I think it's not that Mandalorian has gotten any worse. I think Andor just opened a door, not something that I say now all Star Wars needs to be like this, but it did introduce something that I now maybe favor a little bit more, which is the kind of darker, less Star Warsy, more kind of sociopolitical version of Star Wars and things like that. And, I now I didn't have that before. Now I really enjoy it, except for key scenes, as people have pointed out, like that key, that awesome scene in Mandalorian season two with Bill Burr, uh, where Din takes off his helmet when they have to sit down at the table and talk to that Imperial guy. And Bill Burr is talking about that horrible thing they did and, you know, and how that affected him. And that one of the best scenes in Star Wars to me. Mm -hmm. So it introduced something that makes it harder to go back to this. But I think that the Mandalorian is not without its potential to do deep things. Like we said, that one scene, I mean, it has at very key points done some pretty deep storytelling. So I hope this season is Din Djarin and Grogu for the sake of the franchise continuity and the show, finally both learning that they are their own family, right? And this is a thing we can that can be related to on so many levels for people. People who don't always have the strongest or best family structures and have to make their own family, that whole lesson. Or just growing up and like, you know, we're all kind of getting to middle age now where you realize like crap, my childhood fantasies about growing up or even parenting or my parents and all that is kind of fading away. And now I got to kind of like deal with the reality of making my own life. And that's scary because I can't hide in the things that I grew up with because I now know they're BS and I got to, or I have to, the world's more complicated. And now I got to figure out what am I living for? What's my family about and all that stuff. Those are great universal things that I think this show can nail if these two characters finally break away from this kind of weird thing where they're just, uh, I'm kind of falling into snowfall territory right now, but like where they're waiting by the door for mama to come home um, and being like, I just want to belong somewhere. Like we've done three seasons of that and I think it's getting repetitive. I think this needs to be the season where, as Janelle says, these mystical waters are not going to turn out to be magic. They're just 
not. And Mando's well, going to have to figure out like something else that will inspire and make him redeem himself to himself and inspire other Mandalorians. I and him and Grogu forging their own new way. I would yeah. love for this season to end with this will be the way, mm-hmm. like something new. Right. And he still has right? a dark saber, right? So he yeah, can yeah. lead and there's a whole group out there now that he that he can like go collect like Pokemon cards. Like he can exactly. like, he bring them all together. Like it's uh it's there. Well, that last scene with Bo-Katan saying the, the waters are literally just water. There, there's nothing special to them. There's no magical yeah. power to them. You've at least got a character on screen saying, hey, you guys are in a cult and this, this stuff isn't real and you need to come with the grips to that. And you can't expect a character who's been indoctrinated and raised in that kind of life to just on a dime get out right. of it. So I, I get why they look at it and go, make this a season-long arc of him figuring out, hey – this isn't what I've been looking for. Right. Yeah. yeah. And him and Grogu starting their own thing is important to the franchise because if they go out on their own way, literally, quite literally, it would explain the biggest question that people keep asking now is where the hell were you two during the first order? Like when everything was going down and Palpatine's jumping out of clones and starting in the universe. Like, so if they went off and did something else, that would be great to kind of set up a new chapter of this franchise to do. So I'm hoping it all pulls together and it is a deeper thing of Mando having to come to the realizations and grow up and learn to be a dad and teach Grogu and do all that stuff. Um, <laughs> the last thing is the, the first order versus resistance war doesn't actually make any sense. So you can just write off and eh, they were busy doing other stuff. That war only took like a year. Yeah. Um, I, and it was always like- Imperial remnants. Before it became I, the first. I did like distance nerding, noting that. Uh... Yeah. The special <laughs> effects save. Yeah. Distance, yeah, yeah. There's some great comments in our comment section. Distance nerding, you are kill- YouTube's killing it today, guys. Um, yeah. <laughs> Can we just uh, like in, also say like all the in little the game, creatures? Yeah. The oh creatures yeah, no, we're gonna get to all of this. Amazing. We're gonna take some comments for a minute. Okay. Let's address some comments. All in the game. Yes, I I know that the Bill Burr episode was written by Rick Famuyiwa, who directed this episode too. So I know I'm splitting between saying I love Rick's writing, but I didn't love this direction. I get it. Um, yes, Distance Nerding, you are killing it with the comment. Yes, they're saving on special effects by saying, oh, you have the Darksaber. Yes. Yeah, I got it. <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> it's here. It's right behind um, me. You can't see it. Um, yes, and we do know, and as, as Distance also points out, Mandalorian is more of a family show. I have watched this with my son. I would never watch Andor with my son for one second, so... Oh, man, yes, I, I do that. get all of that. Yes. And I think Star Wars needs all of it. And yes, of course, I love the Babu Frick guys. Do I like being emotionally manipulated like that? Kind of, but no, so but adorable. kind of. But yes, they're so adorable. And yes, I love <laughs> Grogu so hugging them. Oh, it's so cute. I want to die. And like, yes, I get it. I'm like, you know, it was. But I, I think at this point in my life, feeling things like adorableness, affection, Comfort is like pain to me, but um, you know. God, are you penance? Between me. Yeah. <laughs> you have an armor right full of spikes that I should know about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yes, of course. It's called this show. Look at this show. I'm just kidding. Me, what? Uh, but, uh, you know, but uh, the bottom line is I'm staying hopeful. I know Mandalorian is going to be great this season. I know it's going to be fun. I know it's going to be epic. They had purgles in there. Now you're speaking my language. When you're getting back to Star Wars Rebel Space Whales, I'm with you, okay? Like, I'm down. And I'm writing up an article right now, but no, that was a, if you guys don't know that, those space whales were a nice little tease that, will Grogu be showing up in Ahsoka? Will Mando and Grogu be showing up in Ahsoka? Maybe. Because those space whales are the, are the ones, those space whales are the ones who took Thrawn and Ezra out to hyperspace. Oh my God, they're and called Purgles? 
Yeah, they're Purgles. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. That's gonna be like my new favorite thing. They're the ones that made hyperspace travel because they they are the ones who had the natural ability to travel hyperspace, and that's where hyperspace was invented from. But they're the ones who took Thrawn and Ezra into deep hyperspace, and that's what Ahsoka's all about. So you're saying trying to find they, them. So you're saying James Cameron stole those whales in Avatar 2 from Rebels. Got it. Yeah, oh no, James Cameron's stealing whales from everywhere. He's yeah. just like, you will not do whales better than me. <laughs> um, so yeah, but no, Purgles, all that, you know. And so there's a lot of this season that already looks like it's going to be a lot of Rebels and Clone Wars. And I've heard through the rumor mill that this is going to be a big thing for nerdy Star Wars fan me. Like, I'm going to be like, oh my God, I remember that Rebels episode. I remember that Clone Wars story. Ah! Like, and I'm going to be freaking out. So I have hope in Mando. Don't think I'm losing it. I, I, I just didn't think this was the best. I, I loved season two's premiere, for example. Like, people complain, but Cobb Vance, the whole Sand people. Oh, and the Who complained about with that? A, monster. <laughs> a lot of people did. A lot oh my of God. people did. I hate good things. As Janelle mentioned, though, I do love there is something. I don't know. There's just something nostalgic. Very, yes. When, like, all those creatures show up and you're walking uh, like through the in markets. the town yeah no yeah so those are great it made me think of the labyrinth with david bowie no, i'm trying to get property that? right right i'm right. taking that property on navarro if i get it offered it to me you know mando is flipping <laughs> he doesn't know about the real estate game you gotta you should swept <laughs> that property up and just add it you know whatever but um yeah no and dude carl weathers come on like i love carl weathers, by the way he's so. done a, a wonderful job it's yeah. a very nice city he's got yeah. turned a bar into his school I mean, yeah. let's just give credit to where it's, you know, he's got a whole little uh, droid fix-it shop down there. I got to say, man, kudos. Kudos. Yeah, so, mm -hmm. I mean, I mean, look at us. We're getting all positive and happy. There it is. Um, yes, Andrew, it would be great to go back to the Clone Wars. You don't have to go through the whole thing. There's so much filler in Clone Wars. I'm, I think it's on the responsibility of comicbook.com to start preparing some, like, look, See, watch these. They, they actually, they have those on Reddit. I've been using one of those to catch up on it. I'm on, like, season yeah. five. No, there's some good story arcs you do need to see. There's even one from the Bad Batch this week that they finally answered a Clone Wars mystery from 13 years ago. So Star hey, Wars is starting to work. Yeah, so the Bad Batch this week, if you haven't checked that out, Star Wars the Bad Batch is still going on. And I mean, it's a dark horse, but I, I'm really enjoying that show. It's just episodic missions. They do fun things and they tie in a lot of crazy stuff. So they did the Zillow Beast, which is one more little piece of the uh, how, did, how the hell did Palpatine clone himself mystery that we got put in place now thanks to star wars the bad batch so it's been a good star wars show now we're going to take a break but before we do it's time to talk to the only person who really who's really whose opinion matters in this richard uh, are you back yeah, there buddy. Richard. richard oh man you why are you doing that why are you doing that He's I am hey rich <laughs> hey did you see the mandalorian season three premiere uh, did i of course i stayed up man i stayed up uh 2 a.m when it dropped and i watched it and uh it, it don't take much for me man i'm it don't take much to please me. I enjoyed the episode through and through, Kofi. Uh, I, the only thing I did hate was how short it was. But um, I, I'm I'm ready to see the whole the whole story unfold, man. I'm 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 like I said, it don't take much for me to be excited. I loved it. Oh, well, it there you go. You heard there our you opinions. have it, true fan. Yeah, I mean, you heard all our talk for 30 minutes, but uh, in the end, that's I guess that's the one that really matters. So, Richard liked it, <laughs> therefore it is liked. All right. So that is The Mandalorian. You can catch all our breakdowns of the episode, discussions, and all of that over on comicbook.com, Star Wars, plus a lot of other tidbits. We love to just jump through this franchise. If you guys don't bookmark comic book Star Wars, we have a great team of people who all contribute to that and just basically sift through the entire franchise just to tell you guys the highlights you want to know. So that's what we do over there on the regular. So if you need just a quick jump into Star Wars. Be sure to bookmark comicbook.com. 
Star Wars. All right, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we are going to talk about the latest stuff happening in TV this week, the latest stuff happening in comics. And of course, Matt and Connor are here. So there's some more wrestling on the horizon that we've got to get into. We are the only show that does it all for geek culture and do it all. We shall stick with us. <laughs> Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. We are Comic Book Nation, <laughs> only show that the only show that does it all for geek culture. Uh, I feel like Peter's messing with us. I didn't see our graphic because we're at the home studios. Peter, I know that's you out there. Producer Pete has made that graphic about letting us know Mando has a hundred percent Rotten Tomatoes score, wow. so we should not be talking this trash. Peter speaks very well through messages, but I speak messages and, and images, so I get it. I get it, but uh, it is at a hundred percent. But remember, when we did Andor, Andor had that body count. Right. We had that graphic of the Andor body count. You all remember that now moving on. We're going to leave Star Wars alone and we're going to move into TV talk. So um, this week we're going to talk about a uh, perfect match and how awesome reality TV Endgame is. So if you got no, I'm just I'm just kidding. <laughs> this is not our pop culture has an excellent show where they cover all this stuff. But uh, popculture.com, our other redhead cousin. But uh, this week we're going to talk about our shows, starting with The Last of Us. Um, we're always a little bit late on The Last of Us because you know we, we have to wait basically a week to talk about it. But uh, they had the Ellie DLC episode. If you guys haven't played the games, there's The Last of Us 1, there's The Last of Us Part 2, but uh, there was also a DLC, a downloadable content game, that gave you more backstory on Ellie, and it was what this episode depicted. And I remember that DLC being the most traumatizing DLC I think I've ever played in my life. I think I cried at the end. I was like, why did you make me play this? Like, what is wrong with you? Like, I didn't want to play this out just to have my heart broken. But uh, yeah, so it was still good and still, um, it was still really well done. And I think this was the episode for me that deep down really has started to, and I thought about it after it ended. I was like, wow, I think this is the episode that really starting to shift Bella into place in my mind as Ellie. I'm beginning to lose the game version and I'm beginning to really kind of just pick up because she both gets so many good subtle things about who Ellie was in the game, but Ellie was also a programmable character, right? And so you got to fill that with actual person. And I think Bella Ramsey does a great job of just filling in Ellie with actual personality and, and, and things. So um, I really enjoyed this episode. It's another bottle episode, but you know what? Like, I don't mind these. They're some of the best episodes of The Last of Us so far. 
Um, and uh, yeah, this one got me in the feels. Um, I'm interested in what Jan- Janelle thinks because I know teen drama is sometimes very cringe for you. Um, <laughs> it can be your kryptonite, but uh, this was very much a teen kind of friendship slash love story and um, really well done. And it made me want to go to the mall. Yeah, let's go. Last of us, let's all go to the mall. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, yeah, I, this was great to me. I didn't, this didn't bug me at all. Uh, it still was post-apocalyptic, right? So it didn't just like focus on them, but there was so much of like these awe moments because you put yourself in that position of like, oh my gosh, if I was in, you know, the apocalypse and all of these things are, I've been told about like arcades and these stores, these lingerie stores and all these things. Mortal Kombat too. Yeah. The Mortal Kombat, one of my favorites. And I, like, I just felt like I put myself right in it. Like it felt like I was there and I would be like looking at that with heart eyes. It makes you appreciate what you have that like, you can just go to the mall and like buy some lingerie from Victoria's Secret (laughs) and not you guys. I mean, I guess you guys for. Hey, don't, hey, don't, don't, don't don't speak for my kids. Um, Thank you. (laughs) <laughs> but like I, I thought it was a really great character, character explorative. No, you had it right the first time. Character, character. I, I, I have not loved Bella in this role. I, actually, I've just not liked Ellie. Like I've not liked this character. It's just been not something that I enjoy. I haven't played the game, so I don't have this attachment. It's just. It's- to be fair, it's kind of the same in the games. It's she's a an abrasive character to say the least. Okay. And I just I don't know. I'm just kind of like, eh, like I don't really love her. This made me start to like love her, just like you said. And that's what I needed. So I love character development episodes in any show. And I love that they gave us this. I needed it. Yeah. Production design, Chris Chipperson, you're right. Production design Gorgeous. on this was so good. Mm-hmm. Um Connor and Matt, uh, I don't know which one of you to pick. Matt, we haven't picked you. Let's pick Matt. Matt's muted. He really screwed up his opportunity. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Go ahead, buddy. What's up? Am I really? No, I was muted. Um, no, I, I think you guys said it best. Uh, I think we this was actually a good episode for Ellie to kind of separate from from the game. Uh, and if you, you know, I was going to say, like, that character – has I'm really interested to see what they do in, in the second season because <laughs> that character there's a lot of stuff coming right for that character. You think she's um, unlikable now, like yeah. You know. I was like, yeah, oof, you know, it's uh, <laughs> it's gonna be something. But you know, I think that's it's really started to they are they are moving through the story at a really brisk pace. I, I really thought certain things might be slowed down, but no, I mean they. This was, I mean, this was DLC. I mean, you got to think about it, right? Like this, it, and we've already had so much of the story play out in the main season, but they're doing a really good job. It, it really is becoming its own thing. I think by the end of the season, there will be less of that um, people not quite, you know, knowing where to where to put it because they're such fans of the games. I think it's it's starting to make a case for itself like it's going to be its own thing and and in season two i don't think there will be as much of that at the beginning anyway of uh you know well do i i still see the game you know i i think they're they're doing a really good job of fleshing out those characters so really good episode and uh connor what'd you think buddy a lot of little details i liked in this one i liked how uh, she learned about melina's fatality in mortal kombat 2 and then i thought oh wait she she mentioned that like three episodes ago 
And now you get why she cared so much about that. It was because she got to play that right before she lost her best friend and, you know, love interest. The only note I have is that I don't feel like this episode needed any scenes with current Joel and Ellie. This could have been just a flashback episode and cut at where it cut in the episode. It didn't need any of it started with present day Joel and Ellie. There's a random little like two second. Hey, we're back. And she's shuffling through a drawer. It's like we, we didn't need that. This really could have just been that one night and then jump back to the present in the next episode. That's my only note. Otherwise, I thought I, I thought I would have recut it so that it would have started with her looking at him kind of like struggling on the ground to survive. Then we would have gotten the flashback and then we would have gotten that would have been her motivation to get the hell upstairs and like get to work on saving him being like, no, I'm not doing this again. Like mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to do it. And that's a small kind of nitpick. Um, I just want to say uh, to all in the game. Yes. Uh, the presumption right now is that season two uh, or the last of us part two will be split up between seasons two and three with season two being the kind of weird one where they use some of the backfill from the years between the games to kind of set up. Cause they've already started doing that. And I won't say where or how for fear of spoilers, but like elements of the game two that, weren't introduced in game one are already being introduced in the show. So I I think they're going to use more time between the games to fill in that long backstory because there is a story of what happens by the time you start to get back to Joel and Ellie and where they are at the start of the second game. There's been a whole thing that's happened between them. So I think they can do some of that and kind of do that. And I wouldn't be surprised if season two wasn't a bit shorter or just like a bit more truncated to just kind of keep it safe. Don't play with that time too much do some of it, get to the first act of the second game that sets up the main quest of that game and end it on that kind of really gut punch note. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah. of like, cause then people like are that. ready and all in for season three. I and hope then, they do um, that. Yeah. And then by the so, time season, season three ends, the third game will be out. So we'll get a season four adapting last of us three. Yeah, exactly. And, and when they do the game three, they better put in this hive mind thing is all I say. I want to see step on one thing and a whole flood of zombies comes or things comes. Oh, or or they, they remake season one. Prettier. Stop it. Stop. <laughs> and then that took I me really, a second. I really, yeah, I, you had me. I was like. <laughs> well done, sir. Well done. Also, um, quick shout out to Storm Reed who has been killing it in 2023. Storm Reed was the girl who uh, played uh, Ellie's friend. I forget her. How can I forget her name now? Um, Riley. Her friend in it. Riley in the episode. And she was the star of Missing, which was a movie that we came on here and I said, I was like, I did not expect to ever care about this movie, but this movie was great. And yeah, Yeah. she was her in front of a computer screen for most of it. And she's really good in that. And she's really good. I hope Storm Reed keeps getting work. She's killing it out here. So Mm -hmm. that's The Last of Us. Uh, Good episode. I'm... People, I don't know if people are ready for this next one. This is one of the scariest parts of the first game is is coming up in this next episode. Um, I know I played this part of the game. It was so because I played it on hard and it was so hard. And it was because (laughs) that's what knocked me away from the game for two straight years. It was so hard that I got so mad that I just refused to play it. Then when the hype kept coming and The Last of Us Part Two came out, I was like, okay, 
get your gamer hat back on and get in there. But yeah, this part is going to be gnarly. So can't wait for that. Janelle, I, I can't wait. I want to, oh, I just want to can't wait to talk to Janelle next week about this. All right. <laughs> uh, moving right along. I'm going to talk about real quick. Um, I'm just going to say a quick shout out to Star Trek Picard season three, a show that I am very much enjoying right now. This past see, uh, episode was episode three. And I'm loving this. It feels like one big movie cut into just chapters. And this episode brought back Worf, who is Faja. Worf is Faja. As the kids would say, he's father. Um, he really is. He's daddy. Uh, but Worf, Michael Doran coming back was badass this week. Um, we got some. We all thought that like Amanda Plummer was doing great at this Captain Vadic, this new villain. And she was lighting up the internet. People were loving her because she's such a great actress. But we found out, oh, no, it's even more exciting. We're going full next generation, deep cuts, deep space nine references with bringing back the changelings as villains in this. We even got an auto shout out, auto shout out, even though the actor passed away. We got a nice in-universe auto show kind of callback from Worf in this episode. And the changelings are back, man. That is exciting stuff for Star Wars villains. So uh, our Star Wars. Oh, I did it. Oh, my God, I did it. Star Trek villains. Sorry. <laughs> Ooh, don't come for me. We were talking Star Wars for so long. But um, check out Star. <coughs> Be sure you're checking out Star Trek Picard season three on Paramount Plus because it's dope. Uh, Matt, anybody else have want to weigh in on that or we can go to comics? No. Uh, I totally watch. Is it R.I.P.D.? On oh. Netflix. Uh, yeah. Ryan Reynolds. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Ryan Reynolds. I liked it. I thought it was so fun. Oh, I'm so sorry for you. <laughs> I thought it was adorable. I mean, it's not like it's not like Endgame, but it's just a, a fun little flick to watch. It's good vibes. Yeah. I, I can't say anything. I've never seen up. it. So Me either. Yeah. It's in the top 10 in trending on Netflix right now. So. Yeah, that's absurd. Oh my god, that is why. hilarious. Mm -hmm. When R.I.P.D. came out, it was like one of my last Comic Cons with Screen Rant, and I remember that movie. When did it come out? So hard. It was like 2013, 2014, no. something like that. Yeah, it was in wow. college. Yeah. Oh my yeah. god, why is it trending? That's, that's a good question. <laughs> because people like you just discovered it on Netflix and are like, "This is the greatest movie ever." No, what that movie crashed in, in it's 2013 yeah. Comic Con. Yeah. It crashed oh and burned I so thought it was a Netflix badly. No. Movie. That nearly ended Jeff Bridges and Ryan Reynolds' <laughs> career there for a minute. Like that was I legit like, thought biggest, it was a Netflix film. Like, yeah. No, no, no. It's a super it's based on a graphic novel. It, it's it's a comic book movie. Oh my it was when, gosh. It was when wow. in the early 2010s, wow. if you guys don't remember, while Marvel wow. was really gearing up and DC was stumbling through its crap. People thought that they had this idea that you could just build blockbuster franchises out of just comic books, period. Like, it didn't have to be the big two. And so people made a lot of stupid, stupid purchases. Mm -hmm. Like, And that's how we got big budget flops like Cowboys and Aliens or mm -hmm. R.I.P.D. or Red, which looked like it could be something. Oh, I liked Red. Minute, Red was fine. But I liked yeah. Red. But then it became the second one came out. It was garbage. Oh, like, no, they, the same thing happened to Kick-Ass. Like, Kick-Ass, exactly. So oh, Kick-Ass is great. Yeah. <laughs> then we started I, getting the I Frankenstein. Like, and, and then it yeah. got really off the rails. And people were like, okay, we'll pay for Marvel in DC. And I've also been it. watching the uh, We Have Ghosts. We Have a Ghost on I Netflix. just finished that. It's I just cute. finished that. I liked it. Yeah. yeah. No, it was good. Anthony Mackie. 
Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Um, David Harbor. It's yeah. It's a good little. It's a good little film. I just mm -hmm. finished that too. Um, yep. I wasn't kidding about Perfect Match either. I did watch that. I so totally I did too. It. It was, it's great. Um, so we'll just say that, but I'm not going to. I'm that very happy with show. the winners. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. All right. George over Francesca all day, please. All day. Yep. All day. All right. So. Um, moving right along to comics. <laughs> Let's get into comics where we're safe. <laughs> yes. Matt, what did you have for us this week? Uh, so we're starting off with Action Comics 1052. And uh, this was, I'm sorry, by the way, this was a long one. Uh, the Action Comics books have been for, for a little bit, but this, I forgot that there was like an extra uh, backup story. So this is actually three stories. Uh, the first one centers on the Superman family and the ongoing battle with Metallo and What's going on with Lex? Though I like the whole thing in this issue of, well, it's not really Lex. It's like something else. And like I like all that because I think they're doing some amazing things with Metallo as a as a villain. And and uh, Philip Kennedy Johnson has already teased that like more stuff for him is coming along the way. And I thought this the way this ends for for that particular story, uh, I thought was was excellent. But also I just love that this issue continues the. I like it when the Superman family is all just being a family and they're all just in the house and they're all like conversing. Yeah. It's a lot of the things I adore about Teen Titans uh, it's when, it's, when it's done right. Too. I feel like it's being done really right. Like, yeah, like it's just fun watching them interact. Superman, which is so weird when you really think about it. <laughs> and it's working. Yeah, it's working. It's, it's just a really cool format. And then the second uh, story is the kind of ongoing thing of those kind of lost years with Jonathan Kent. Uh, the, you know, Clark and Lois, Lois and Clark uh, continuation there. But in the stuff they're doing there is also fun. That's uh, Dan Jurgens kind of story. And that's going to be here for a couple more issues. And I and I really enjoy it, too. But it's just like so not different, but it's just like it's different enough. You know, I don't feel like I'm I'm just reading the same story over and over. No, it feels like two comics in one. Very much. And then we get to the third one. And the third one is the kind of Power Girl, Supergirl you know, back and forth. And as a Power Girl fan, um, you know, this is a, they, they've done some different things with her, especially with, uh, you know, the Lazarus, you know, pits causing all these things with powers and stuff. So it's given her some different abilities. And so it's, it's a very different Power Girl story than I was anticipating. Um, I don't dislike it. I actually enjoy it, but it's just after coming off the first two, which are like super strong, I just kind of liked that one. It was okay. Um, but I but I really love what they're doing in the core books. And uh, Superman, it's, it's a great time to be a Superman fan. What would you guys think? Um, I, I kind of chipped in at, at your thing. Um, no, I, I like that we're getting more of a super family. I didn't, I never really understood that there would be an interesting kind of world to explore with the larger Superman family. Because they've always been kind of treated as either people as Superman light on other books and teams or just kind of occasional characters that Superman is always like weirdly not fully comfortable with like near yeah. him. So they get in and they go out really quickly. Um, it, it's cool to see a bunch of superpower Kryptonians just hanging out in a room talking about TV and <laughs> seeing when they get the call and be like, Oh, we got to go kick some butt and like, you know, and doing it together um, and handling their kind of shared dilemmas about power identity and all that stuff and dealing with it together and also showcasing the different personalities under that roof. Yeah, absolutely. Do you know? Um, <laughs> I'm having the hardest time keeping this book separate from the other Superman book we're reading gotcha. yeah. with, because Lex is so predominant in it. And like, mm -hmm. 
it, it, I, there were moments where I kind of started calling back to the other book and I was like, oh, wait a minute, but how is he doing? Because there's literally Lex is in the villain's head talking to him the way that he does in the other book that we're reading with Superman. So I, I got a little confused at first. And then finally, I kind of like got my bearings. I'm like, come on, Janelle, focus. Lex just decided he ain't paying those cell phones no more. Yeah. Lex ain't paying. He ain't paying his money yeah. to, to uh, Sprint and all. I agree with you, though. Anymore, yeah, they're a little similar in that regard. And just because I love that other like journey and where that's going so much, it's really hard for me to get into this one as much as the other one. Yeah, no, I totally see that. I, um, I just love that other storyline. Connor, do you have a chance to check it out? Did not get a chance this week. Sorry. No, no worries. Um, the I would also love it to Kofi's point. That's actually the thing I loved most about the Power Girl story is when they delve into the family dysfunction mm-hmm. of yeah. like you leave me you off the invite. Yeah, yeah you know, like <laughs> stepchild. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, that and even in her mindscape of like <laughs> you're perfect and you're always putting a left. That stuff was really interesting. So while it was a little, it took me. I was kind of like Janelle. It took me a minute to really kind of get to the flow of that story. But there are certain elements, the family stuff. It's just they're they're knocking that part uh, out of the park. Uh, moving on to Marvel, uh, Rogue and Gambit number one. Uh, this one is a kind of side story to what's happening. I thought this would be. Look, I mean, Gambit and Rogue are two fan favorite characters for a reason. I thought this would be a perfect one because I know Janelle is not the biggest X Men <laughs> fan, so I thought, oh, here's a here's an opportunity, right? Two two great characters, uh, you know. So I I I enjoyed this. I didn't enjoy it as much as I think I was hoping for, but I think I had my I might have had my bar a little high because I was I got into it, and there's some really great moments. I actually love the. <laughs> the text uh there's a there's a spot where they show the phone of all the text messages yeah. back and forth at the restaurant i thought that was hilarious just because it really showed their dynamic and uh but i also like there's times where i see i've seen gambit grow a lot over the years and they do some really interesting stuff with him as a character so i don't know i thought starting out this felt a little like it kind of brought him like it was a couple steps back for me it's like a little regression yeah. In, in his character, like who I see Gambit as nowadays, I still love the dynamic between them. Meaning, not a drunk normally. Yeah, like he's not. No. Like he, look, no, he still he likes really to party and he still likes to yeah. do stuff, but not in. I mean, we've seen this character like put himself on the line numerous times. He knows how important Krakoa is and things. I, I don't know. It just felt. Yeah, like, they definitely evoked that. Like, hey, he's kind of a bit of a f up. Yeah, and I don't. That's, that hasn't no. been Gambit for a while, so I kind of I think that kind of took me out of it. But I still enjoy where this is going, and it's also nice to see Manifold get some get some love. But yeah, that's kind of where I was. What'd you guys think? I thought it was weird because they're using modern Rogue, like very much a modern Rogue. Like this is the Rogue post X Men, like post you know Dawn of X. Yeah. Um, but the Gambit, I don't think. And they've been kind of putting Gambit in weird places for years because I don't think anybody really knows what to do with him anymore. He's kind of one of those weird things, like almost like Bishop, like a 90. He's very much a 90s creation where we all thought like, you know, Cajun people were all like this. Right. <laughs> and like and he just it was just a lot of funny, funny dialogue writing. And Gambit was kind of just a, a cad. He was a woman. He was he was a manipulator, womanizer kind of cad dude. And that's who he was. He was like the slick talking thief you wanted to be. And that's what made him so cool to people. Uh, this was like comic relief gambit, which I don't really know what to do with uh, in some respects. So I thought it was a weird 
caricature of him, but like I like Rogue, and Rogue is one of the more complicated characters in Marvel Comics. Yeah. And I enjoy her. And I like how they're at least taking the gambit in Rogue and making them a thing again and putting a spotlight on them again. One of the best kind of relationship arcs in Marvel Comics. And I like how they're fitting it into the Krakoa storyline. They're actually giving them something to do. So I was uh, middle of the road. I was middle of the road. Well, it seems weird, too, that like Janelle, like we read, you know, Gambit's been in the Captain Marvel books. And oh, yeah. He's been a part of that. And he's like not like this at all. <laughs> he's, he's also just like a very small character. I feel. He is. They you know, but the dude lot. like slices off a, you know, like slices <laughs> off his own skin yes. to free everybody. Yes. And then over here, he can't even like wait you know, <laughs> 20, yeah. an hour. Oh, see, what would you oh think? my gosh. I, I like. I don't know. I I feel like it was a fine read. I had some like cool music on. It was a welcome distraction. Like it wasn't terrible. It wasn't the best, but it wasn't bad. It was just kind of like, yeah, like it's just cool. Like I I would recommend reading it. Just, just, I don't know, to see him be a fool. And (laughs) (laughs) yeah, I I have hopes of where it goes. Yeah. And I I do love these characters together. I do love them together. And I was catching like newlywed vibes and I was like, Oh, I I can relate to that. (laughs) Like (laughs) they just kind of seemed like fresh. I liked it. Yeah. So we'll, we'll keep this around and uh, see if the next issue uh, moves, moves further, but that's uh, comics. All right, Matt and Connor last segment of the day. You guys get some time to talk wrestling. Uh, talk wrestling and take us out of here. I love how Connor like does this with his hands. If you're listening, he's like, he's like, oh yeah, like gearing up. I love it. Oh, real quick, I meant to shout this out earlier because it was a comment from earlier. But Andrew, thank you for reading Gotham City Garage from our last interview, uh, and uh, I love that series. I'm so glad you liked it as well. So I wanted to give a shout out. So anyway, that's- uh. Fact, I might, you know what? I'm going to change things up. I might just drop out of here because instead of having us all on the screen and looking at my face while I just sit here, I'm just going to say everybody subscribe to Comic Book Nation. Matt will give you guys the full send off when he's done talking wrestling, but uh, I'm going to let Connor and Matt chop it up on wrestling and, and really get their shine on. So thank you everybody for tuning in and we'll see you guys next week. Connor and Matt, take it away. Bye guys. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Look at that. Woohoo! Got the spotlight. Let's go. All right. The adults, the cat is away. The mice will play. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Finally nailed that one the second try. So, Matt, we've got AEW Revolution this Sunday in San Francisco. Uh, AEW's first pay-per-view of the year. And I don't know if you've been on Twitter recently, but the discourse, it's getting exhausting. I'm not going to lie to you. I, I didn't even, ha- I, didn't, I was off on Wednesday this week, so I didn't even watch Dynamite Live. First thing I see when I pull up Twitter on Thursday are people complaining about referees holding ladders. Something that every company has done ever. <laughs> Guys, if you don't like AEW, you don't have to watch it. It's okay. Just say that the product you don't, in- it's not a product you enjoy. You can admit that you've been watching WWE your whole life. So a different product with its own paces and quirks. It's different and you don't like different, but you don't want to say that it's different. So you're trying to find every little nitpick possible to try and make it seem less when it's just trying to do its own thing. So calm. So to the masses of Twitter, I ask you calm down. Now that's not to say that AEW is perfect right now. It's not, it's It's certainly not. And, but I also think that it's funny that people are saying AEW is not telling stories right now, where when I look at this revolution card, the stuff I want to see 
isn't necessarily the title matches. It's the grudge matches. It's John Moxley versus Hangman. It's Ricky Starks finally putting away Chris Jericho. Wardlow and Samoa Joe is a storyline that technically goes back to like last October. And when you look at the title matches, Soraya, uh, Soraya, Ruby Soho, and Jamie, that's clearly the stepping stone to something bigger, which my guess is War Games, which is going to be awesome. The Elite versus House of Black. Not much build to it, but let's be honest, when they announced Trio's titles, that was like the first match everybody named. We're getting it. Awesome. No complaints. But the issue I have with this show, Matt, is the main event, unfortunately. It's, it's Brian Danielson versus MJF, the AEW World Championship, in a 60-minute Ironman match. Now, with no context, that sounds amazing. Brian Danielson in the ring for 60 minutes. It's going to be awesome no matter who's in the ring with him. And Max, to his credit, is a lot better than people ever give him credit for. He does, he's a victim of his own success in that way. He doesn't wrestle that often. But every time he sure. does, people you hear it, people go, oh, yeah, Max is actually really good at this. We just forget it because he'll, he'll take the next two months off and we won't see him again. And it'll come back and wrestle again and we'll go, oh, yeah, right, this, this dude is legit. He, he can actually back up all the, the crap he says week after week. Right. The problem I have with this, it's not even the stipulation. I don't care that it's an hour. I've seen Danielson go an hour in an AEW ring, and I freaking loved it. Got no issue with that either. The problem is the context surrounding the AEW World Championship. Because I think the angle Max is trying to run right now is a mistake. When you look at the big AEW stories they've done, the, their magnum opuses, as it were, the Hangman Saga goes back years, but it all had to do with people in AEW and their shared histories. Wardlow and Max was a story that starts in late 2019, goes all the way up to last year. And as long as you weren't checking Twitter for cer about certain plane tickets, you know, what was more <laughs> rewarding than seeing Max get powerbombed 10 times at double or nothing? Spectacular. Punk versus MJF. It, it was really just a story of toxic fandom and Punk having to combat it and combat a monster he had inadvertently created. But this story is about the WWE. They have attached the WWE to their world championship for every match from now until the end of the year. And I think that's a mistake. I think Max's idea to say, hey, I want to keep this title until the end of this year when my contract allegedly expires and force a bidding war. And I've made it abundantly clear in my promos, I want to go to the other place. So that makes the story, hey, we've got to get this title off of Max or he's going to WWE. Now I can already hear it in the comics. Hey, isn't that what Punk did twice? Isn't, is, wasn't that both summers of Punk about him threatening to take a world championship to a different company? Combat that. The first summer of Punk was about two months. The second summer of Punk right. was a couple of weeks. This Not is really a summer. Whole, <laughs> this was a what you are what they are threatening is an entire year, where the storyline isn't. Hey, how are these two characters in this company fighting each other? It's hey, one of these guys wants to go to the WWE. How do we stop them? And when you're trying to present yourself as the alternative, yeah, and not yeah. just the little brother. And not just, hey, we're TNA circa 2008 again. You can't have your biggest storyline 
all be about your guy wanting to go to the other place. It's got to be about what's happening in your company. Right. And that's the, that's the, he had, and to his credit, he hasn't brought it up that much with the Danielson thing. But until that whole bidding war of 2024 thing is, is dumped, that is going to be an underlying factor in every storyline Max has. And that's a problem because he's also got the world championship. Yeah. I mean, I look, I mean, it's a, but it's not even just a problem for MJF. It's a problem for their, I mean, look at, uh, Soraya and Tony Storm and the whole faction based on we're not the originals, right? Mm-hmm. It's like the originals versus the outsiders. That's also part of their women's I, championship I, I picture. Can com- I can combat that. Well, it's not combating. It's a it's a fact that they well, AW bases is is perfectly fine with playing with that, which is fine. I don't here, even mind. Here's it. here's the difference though with that one. Those women aren't saying, "Hey, let's go back." Paige no. and Soraya and Tony aren't sitting here going, hey, let's beat up these girls and then go back to WWE. Right, but it still doesn't matter. The fact that they're referring constantly to the – it's the same thing of Cody destroying a throne. You're constantly referring to the competitor. Re- like it's a part of your DNA. References are okay, but you've not put- – in the Max story, you've put WWE on the pedestal of this is the thing to aspire to instead of be, being at the top of AEW. Right, but that's been a narrative since they started signing ex-WWE people. It's been a running theme. They're always talking about, like, there's all kinds of things coming about those stories of AEW's founding pillars and those things and people from the outside. And it, WWE always factors in even Tony, like referring to, you know, we don't have holidays to ourselves anymore because right. it's awfully crowded. It, it doesn't matter whether it's an af- in the press conference, in the promos, whatever. There's always this kind of surrounding cloud with like, we're going to refer to the other place. And I don't know, at some point, like you're AEW mm-hmm. now. You don't have to do that. Like you, do, you don't need it. And I'm, so I don't I'm, know. It just I'm seems fine like fine with it. them referring to other companies. Because on top of WWE, you refer to Ring of Honor's history, Impact, New Japan, PWG, the guys over in the UK. You're, You're not all, referring I, to them in the same way. God. They were, but they referred to they referred to all the New Japan history, like all. Right, of the but stuff I'm was not talking about Japan history. Was, I'm not was, talking about acknowledging someone's championship run or whatever. I'm talking about in an antagonistic way. You were talking the W when they talk about New Japan or Impact or anything like that. They're not talking about them. In the same way they are talking about WWE, like, come on, that's because they're not the work because they don't work with them. They work with everybody else, right? But they're because they're the competition. They're because they're their main competition. They're working with everybody else, right? But WWE is their competition, and they treat them as such. Sure. Which, by the way, they should. But I'm saying it doesn't always have to make it to TV. That's like, and that's fine. All I'm saying is I'm fine with them referencing WWE. I'm fine with them acknowledging the existence of WWE. Because if you're a fan of AEW, you you know the other company exists. I'm right. fine with that. My specific issue is that in this storyline centered around your world championship, you've made it where that world champion wants to leave your company and go to the, them. Yeah. That's it, the issue I have. It's just the, the most- rest of the references. I'm fine with this. Well, some are they are they knowing? Are they grading? They can be, but this one's the one where I'm like, you've tainted your main event picture until you fix this. That's I mean, my 
I think the I think a little bit of the bloom has already fallen off the rose with an MJF title reign way quicker than I thought it would because I was like one who wanted MJF as champ. So I wanted him to be in that spot. And I think, I don't know, it's for some of the reasons you list, right? He doesn't feel as around, mm-hmm. you know, as, as others. You know, it's kind of that Brock Lesnar syndrome of like our champ is gone and like, oh, okay, well, he's just off TV for a couple of weeks. Roman has done it too. Sure. But Roman spent a hell of a long time putting in the work and being on TV every single week before this. Like, and Roman also, Roman also has the advantage of he doesn't have to necessarily be on TV for his story to progress. Agreed. He's yes. got so many other moving pieces that when he's not there, you go, and Roman's not here, but what about Jay? What about Sammy? What that's about true. Paul? What about Solo? With it, Max, it's just Max, and that's a prop. Do you, and, think, do you think Danielson has a shot? I think it's possible. I think if they're going to throw any Kurt, I wish they would abandon the bidding war of 2024 thing. I sincerely do, especially since I don't buy the whole contract thing for a second. I don't think Max was allowed back on TV after that, after the whole plane ticket incident without those things getting fixed. And I think everything since has been a work. It's kayfabe. Yeah. I I, I don't see the only, the only thing I can think of that if they're not, if they're not going to over away from the bidding war idea, the only thing I can think of that can be interesting is if Max loses the title a couple of times and suddenly the clock is working against him where he recognizes that my biggest bargaining chip in this whole thing is whether or not I have this. And if I lose this, I have to go into panic mode to get it back. So then it can be interesting if he drops it once or twice between now and then where suddenly he has to start sprinting his way to try to get it back. And if one of those things is, hey, we're finally going to give Danielson a run with this for a month or two, I'm all for it because I'm tired of Danielson being one of the best wrestlers in the world and Man. not holding the championship. That's it, it seems super odd that he hasn't yet. He's That's had three, a, he's had multiple attempts at it, which is yeah, also like, frustrating. Part. Now, there's also the theory, right, that like, look, Cole's back in the picture, right? And a mm-hmm. lot of people view him as the one to take down NJF. Like, Could be. He's the Cody Rhodes of it all, right? <laughs> like he's the one that's going to take him down and really get a long run. But like, you know, that story hasn't like they haven't even really started building. I, I have. That. So I have to think that that has something to do with. Tony recognized the fact that his pay-per-views are long. And when one of your matches is guaranteed to go an hour and change, because yes, we right. also have to account entrances and the finish and whatnot. He at least acknowledged, hey, maybe I shouldn't have 14 matches on the card this time. There's only eight. And That's I'm true. really hoping he's sticking to just eight. And I'm fine with just eight if one's going to be a freaking hour. Oh, absolutely. So um, if yeah. that meant, hey, let's hold off Adam Cole's big return for a show, heck, maybe put it somewhere close to his hometown. I'm all for it. Yeah, but it's it's I'm and, good and with that. Too. Ad, Adam's good. not a bad pick. There's a couple of other guys out there where it's like, do we run back Hangman because he's kind of like the he's like the quintessential baby face of the company. When does Kenny turn his head back to that title since he hasn't even looked in that general direction since he came back? Punk. Uh, um, uh, that's oh, the yeah, only well, word I'm going to say is. Yeah, that's the, a whole other the, the dude is he's uh, still under contract. So I do. Um, do you think House of Black wins tonight? Or sorry, not tonight. Sunday. Um, do you think they win Sunday? So I'm I am over the whole. Hey, are the elite going to WWE thing? I think. I think they'll hold the trio's titles through this and maybe drop it to them in a bit. I know 
Some people don't like the elite. I love well, the elite. No, it's just it's not that I don't like them. It's like what the hell are they gonna do with House of Black? Like, geez, I mean this this faction's like so. Been, what, you, what you could uh, do is what they should have done, which is let's let's turn Malachi in the direction of some singles championships, please and thank you. Yeah, but they're not gonna do that. So, they should, and they should also, which they haven't done. It drives me nuts. He's been in the company for a minute now. Buddy Murphy versus Kenny Omega. It's a great match. It's the Australian and Canadian versions of each other. Brody's torn it up every time he's in the ring. Triggers, yeah, buddy, and buddy is here. Here's a fun fact: when Buddy wrestled Roman, that was the closest we were ever going to get to Roman versus Kenny Omega. Yeah, and that was a great match. So let those two fight. Yeah, no, I just want them to do something. So I was hoping for gold. At least that's a movement in a direction. And and, and you know what? If they win, you're not going to hear me complain because the House of Black is amazing. They just, yeah, they just sit on the sides, you know. Hey, but uh, that's, uh, but yeah. So anyway, any uh, ending ending thoughts there before uh, we head out? Uh, check out my interview with Wardlow. It dropped, uh, I believe it was Wednesday. Uh, he had some really good insight into the push last year and why he kind of struggled with it, and how he, I think he's evolved as a person to where I think if the opportunity presents itself for him again, I think he's going to handle it a lot better than some of the stumbling blocks that hit him last year. Um, obviously keep it locked in for full coverage of all things revolution this Sunday. Our very own Liam, Liam Crowley is on assignment out in San Francisco <laughs> covering the show live. And uh, after this, Matt, I don't know if you've heard, but we're on the road to WrestleMania. WrestleMania! So you can bet your bottom dollar that any big story that comes up between now and then we're going to be all over and we're going to be coming here on this show, talking about it. We're going to be on our TikTok, Comic Book Wrestling. If you follow that show, something uh, something good might happen if we hit a certain <laughs> certain milestone. But I'm not going to tell you what it is or what the number is, but you got to follow us to find out. Um, <laughs> follow me on Twitter at ConnorCaseyCB, Matt Aguilar at Matt Aguilar CB. And uh, yeah, if you, if you need anything when it comes to the coverage of professional wrestling, we got you. And uh, that will do it for uh, this wonderful episode of Comic Book Nation. Of course, you can check out uh, our wonderful podcast and hear our full diatribes on everything geeky. Uh, You can hear them on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and any of your favorite podcast providers. You can also, uh, every week, we will typically have something uh, in our bonus round, which will be new content hitting our Comic Book Nation YouTube channel. Please subscribe over there. We're doing lots of fun things, lots of cool interviews, uh, some fun geeky stuff that uh, might even be shooting here in a bit. Uh, So definitely uh, check that out every day. We will try and have more and more new content as we move along. But uh, until next time, deuces. Later.